0: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond.
2: I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles.
3: Everyone is incredibly invested in finding Andrea and everyone is just showing it in their own ways.
4: You know, one of the things that the police chief said to me, he said that it just, this was a case that really just stuck with him. Uh, And he wants closure.
1: We'll be covering two separate cases this week, one from Little Rock, Arkansas, involving two missing women. But first, we're going to Louisville, Kentucky. Probably like a lot of our listeners, Andrea Knabel wanted to solve cases, to find the missing, to locate the vanished, and to bring light to cases that seemed to be going nowhere. And in Andrea's home state of Kentucky, there were, and still are, plenty of those cases. Over 250, in fact. Over 250 cases where someone's been reported missing, and there are still no answers. And more than 100 of those missing are women. So like a lot of us, Andrea heard about those cases and wanted to help. She joined a group dedicated to shining a light on those missing people. The 37-year-old mother of two certainly had enough going on in her own life, but getting involved in the search for missing people, something she couldn't pass up.
3: So Andrea Knabel was part of a group called Missing in America, which is based out of Louisville, Kentucky, where she lived. And this group would help join searches for missing people all over the Ohio Valley region.
1: Shay McAllister is a reporter at WHAS in Louisville and the host of the series Unsolved an ongoing series that investigates cases involving missing and murdered people in Kentucky.
3: So she would team up with private investigators and search dogs, different teams to help look for people. She was actually involved in locating a teenager who had been missing.
1: For Andrea, it was more than just a hobby. These were real people with real families, and for whatever reason, they'd vanished. But on August 12, 2019, Andrea Knabel would also disappear, vanish.
0: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: Before she went missing, Andrea's family says she was struggling. She
3: had lost her job and then was evicted from her home. So she was staying with her mom and trying to get back on her feet. And her family says they were aware of some issues going on, that there was some depression, possibly some prescription pill abuse, but that they really didn't know how serious it was until after she went missing.
1: But whatever was going on in Andrea's life, she'd been doing her best to take care of her two boys and get her life on track.
3: She had two little boys and she had split 50-50 custody with the children's fathers. So um, she did not have the boys all the time, but she was working to get back on her feet so she could provide a good life for them. She had not lost custody of them.
1: But then that summer night in 2019, the last time anyone saw her.
3: And what we know happened that night is she was with her mom and her sister at her mom's home. And there was some sort of argument. Family describes it as just another argument that families get into. They say it wasn't anything serious. It wasn't a big blow up. But she did want to cool off in the hours afterwards. So her sister's boyfriend drove her to McDonald's where she could get something to eat. And after that, dropped her off at a local hospital because she was having an infection on her face that she wanted to get treated.
1: After she was treated at a local hospital, Andrea called a rideshare service and got a ride back to her mom's house. Her family believes that it was late enough at night that anyone inside the house would have been sleeping. And didn't know Andrea was trying to get in.
3: So Andrea walked about a mile away to her sister's house.
1: When she got to her sister's house that night, Erin Knabel was out on her porch.
3: Erin describes Andrea as being somewhat upset and wanting to vent about the argument that had happened. She said that she was embarrassed about the infection on her face. And she was telling Erin that she just felt like she wasn't in a good place in life. um, And she was having a hard time helping helping people understand that.
1: Aaron says she listened to her sister that night, let her vent, and then suggested she go back to her mom's house, where Andrea was living at the time, and call it a night. Maybe things would be better in the morning.
3: That is the last conversation that we know of that anyone had with Andrea. However, using her GPS coordinates from her cell phone, investigators do know that she did make it back to her mom's house. When she got there, she made several phone calls. And then at 6.31 a.m. on August 13th, her phone goes dark. It either dies or it's turned off. And that is the last known communication from Andrea or her phone.
1: From what we've learned from her family, it wasn't completely out of the ordinary that Andrea would be out of touch for a few days. Maybe in light of the argument with her mom, with so much going on in her life, Andrea had just decided to take off on her own, stay with a friend. But after three days without any communication or sign of Andrea, her family grew worried. Her sister Erin called the Louisville Metro Police Department.
3: She called LMPD and filed a missing persons report, which she described as a piece of paper that almost looked like a crash or an accident report. And she says she got a call from detectives in the missing persons unit Um, Within a few days
1: Investigators interviewed family members, friends They even got a search warrant for her mom's house But nothing turned up Even Andrea's phone was missing
3: I remember right after she went missing The community was incredibly invested in looking for her There was flyers all over the city There was searches and vigils Every single weekend for a few months
1: But without any leads or evidence The trail went cold And the searches started to die down.
3: Pretty quickly after she goes missing, we start getting into the cooler months. We get into winter and then the pandemic. And her family says in March, when coronavirus really picked up in Kentucky, they could tell a shift um, in the police department that they weren't getting as many calls. And they said the police were honest about it, that it was um, a challenging time and that their priorities had shifted a bit. Um, And then, of course, we had protests in Louisville, so that kind of added to it. So the family says that they felt like in the beginning there was tons of attention on the case, that police were really invested, the community was really invested, but that changed um, this year.
1: But one person hasn't stopped looking.
3: A couple of days after Andrea is reported missing to police, the group that she worked with called Missing in America actually contacted Tracy Leonard, a private investigator, to ask for his help on the case. He says that he considered Andrea a friend. They had worked together many times on other cases. So he took on this case for free and has been working it for free ever since.
1: You might wonder if Andrea's work with the group could have had anything to do with her disappearance. There's no indication that's the case. But Shea McAllister says there's another angle people have considered.
3: So the only connection that people have pulled together in in this way is actually a different one. It's saying because she knew how to disappear, um, she knew how people disappeared, that she would have that knowledge if she wanted to. But nobody has brought up any possible concerns with her work um, leading to foul play or anything like that.
1: Her family, Andrea's father, and her sister Erin, dismissed the idea that she would have taken steps to disappear on her own.
3: Both her family and the private investigators say, you know, she was an excellent mother. She was working hard to get back on her feet. She never would have left her children. The people who bring up that theory, um, I think, are just trying to bring up. They're the, you know, the conspiracy theorists that we always have in this true crime world. But I think the people who are closest to the case believe that. Um, she did not walk away from this life that she is not missing by choice and that something happened though they also say that they want to hold on to hope because there's no evidence of foul play that she could be somewhere and that she can be found
1: other aspects of andrea's life before she disappeared provide more plausible theories according to her family
3: her dad is pretty open about um the fact that andrea befriended a lot of different people and some of those people maybe weren't the best for her. They, they say, the family says that they learned a lot more after she went missing about exactly what she had been going through and that um, there was some difficult and potentially dangerous situations happening with the group of people she was spending time with.
1: So far, those connections and theories haven't gone anywhere. Andrea remains one of the more than 250 people reported missing in Kentucky. But like so many cases of missing people, her family regularly responds to reports that someone has spotted Andrea, a glimmer of hope that rises up and then crashes down.
3: The... Possible leads never really slowed down. The private investigator and the family have told us that they have had more than 200 potential sightings of Andrea, that they are constantly being sent pictures and surveillance videos of people who think they've seen Andrea. But when they go to follow up, it's never her. But they said it happens all the time. And her dad will actually go and drive to these places and track down these people just to be sure. Um, And the private investigator does the same thing. He says that they're always quick to respond on the just-in-case, but they haven't had one pan out yet. But really, I mean, more than 200 sightings in 15 months is pretty incredible for a missing person's case.
1: It's likely Andrea's family pays attention when more sobering news comes in, like the discovery of human remains found earlier this year by a farmer near the Washington and Nelson County line, not too far from Louisville the FBI released a description of the person, a woman aged 24 to 82, between 5'2 and 5'9. It led many to believe that the remains could be those of another missing woman, Bardstown mother Crystal Rogers, missing since July 2015. Just recently, analysis of those remains determined that they are not Rogers, and at this point, they remain unidentified. And the search for Andrea Knabel, like the search for hundreds of others in Kentucky, goes on.
3: Any information that could lead to Andrea or could help investigators in this case can be reported anonymously to 502-574-LMPD.
1: Our thanks to Shay McAllister at WHAS 11 in Louisville, Kentucky. One final note, Shea has a Facebook page for her Unsolved series if you'd like to learn more. As she'll tell you, it's a series that's taken on a life of its own since launching a few years ago.
3: So that started a couple of years ago, we called it Unsolved, we have the Facebook page Unsolved Insiders because we know that social media is the way to spread information, and it has just grown tremendously in the last few years to the point where we're not only covering cold cases now, but cases of missing and murdered people that just don't have resolution.
1: Up next on True Crime Chronicles, we're going to Little Rock, Arkansas, where five years ago, a fisherman on the Arkansas River made a horrifying discovery.
4: You know, the Arkansas River flows all the way from Colorado through the center of our city.
1: Don Scott is a news anchor at KTHV in Little Rock.
4: You know, it was December, and a man was out fishing. The weather was pretty nice that day. And in his net, uh, he caught a leg, a human leg, and immediately called police And, of course, all the stations here covered it. We all covered it. The newspapers covered it. And it was a real mystery. You know, no one knew who it belonged to. Um, Of course, detectives started matching DNA to several people who, you know, were missing and or murdered. And it came back uh, connected to one of two women who went missing in North Little Rock, Arkansas, just north of the river, they had been missing nearly two years.
1: The woman's name was Shekina Burnett. She was just 36 years old, and for two years, her family had been searching for answers. She disappeared on January 9th, 2014. That's the last time she'd been seen by anyone. But what made her disappearance even more bizarre was the fact that just days later, another woman was reported missing in Little Rock. Her name was Turkisa Wallace, and as it turns out, the two women reported missing right around the same time knew one another.
4: They did run in some similar circles. They knew some of the same people. Um, they were friendly with one another. I don't know that you would say they were best friends, but they were definitely together the night before each turned up missing.
1: As detectives started their investigation, they learned more about the 34-year-old woman's last known movements.
4: turquisa had dropped her son off with the boy's father's mother, so the boy's grandmother, and... A family member told me that it was really odd that usually someone walked the boy who was about five years old at the time to the door, but on this specific day, he went around to the back door and he was alone. And family members noted that that was odd. The family members of Turkisa had said that she never would have left her son. She just never would have. She may have left him for a night or two, but she never would have left him for longer than that at least without calling or some indication that she uh, was going to be gone.
1: Two women around the same age, two women who knew one another and now both missing. And two families left in anguish, wondering where they were, what happened, and a five-year-old boy left without his mother. And then that December day in 2015 and the discovery of a leg in the Arkansas River.
4: But of course, you know, as a parent, you never want to believe that your child is dead. I mean, even her father doesn't still to this day understand what happened to her and tries to reason with himself. He shared with me that, you know, he a person could live without a leg. You know, give us more. We want more. We want to know what
1: happened. Using cell phone records and text messages, police determined that on that day in January 2014, when both women were last seen, they were in fact together and even communicating.
4: And the reason we know that is that detectives were able to locate their cell phone records in the towers um, from which the cell phone was pinging. And both of their phones pretty much just shut off right at the same time. And then no one ever heard from them again. They didn't have any insight into the messages um, specifically. This was about five or six years ago. But they did um, discover a general location where they were together. It was near a rock quarry. Uh, near a cell phone tower near a rock quarry. They even searched um, like a pond near the rock quarry. They're very, very deep waters. And they sent divers looking there and they never found anything. They never to this day either found Turkisa's car. She had a white Toyota Corolla and that car is still missing too.
1: For the families of both women, the lack of answers or evidence is almost too much to bear. It's a feeling shared on some level by investigators.
4: Even the North Little Rock police chief sat down for an interview with us, which is something that he just doesn't normally do. He has, we were in his office and at his desk. He has no criminal files on his desk whatsoever, except for this one. He said it is maddening to him that they can't figure this out. And they believe that at least one or more people know exactly what happened to these two women And it's just a matter of a couple of pieces of information that they need to solve the case and give the families the answers that they deserve. Really, that's what they want.
1: But for now, five years later, after that discovery in the Arkansas River and six years after both women disappeared, the questions linger.
4: Who would want both of them gone?
2: Hey, True Crime Chronicles listeners. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm here with Will Johnson and Reed Redman. Will, I want to start with the very first story that we covered in this episode, uh, the Andrea Knable story. Um, Really baffling, uh, crazy story where you have a woman that is a part of an organization missing in America that searches for missing people across the United States actually goes missing herself. I know that her father and her sister Erin spoke to Shea McAllister, the reporter in this story, but does she have any other family members that are actively searching or a part of this one?
1: Yeah, right. We hear that her father and her sister are, are very involved. Her mother, uh, who is no longer with her father, and she does have another sister too, are also very much and very invested in trying to find Andrea, just not in the same way. So they've made it clear that, you know, People go through a process like this in lots of different ways, and while her father may be, you know, going on the news, or her sister may be on social media, they're all dealing with it in their own way. And sometimes, you know, that can be a very private, personal experience. I would imagine.
5: Well, I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, those unidentified remains you mentioned in Kentucky that didn't end up being a match for this other case, uh, the Crystal Rogers case. Um, I'm actually looking at. The Facebook page created by Andrea's family right now and her sister posted a couple of weeks ago um, and according to her, she says the family was told that the timeline doesn't quite match up for those remains to be Andrea but, you know, what that suggests is maybe they're still holding out hope that, that she's alive.
1: Right, and that goes to the point of all of these sightings that have been coming in that, you know, sound like a lot over, you know, past year or so where they get word of somebody who sounds, or looks like, rather, looks like Andrea, and they'll take off and go look and see if this is who it is. And, you know, none of those have panned out. Thanks for mentioning the the fact that those, you know, remains have not been linked to Andrea's case at this point.
2: Well, I had a question about uh, the, the actual timeline of the case as well, where Andrea goes over, she walks the mile to her sister's house, speaks to her sister. Her sister clearly sees her. Then she walks back to the mother's house, and the cell phone GPS records indicate that she made a couple of texts or phone calls from her mother's house before her phone either turns off or, or, you know, she turns it off or it goes dead. Did Shay have any more information as to who she may have called? Did the police thoroughly investigate um, those phone calls? Because if she's back in her mother's house, assumingly she's safe, and then, you know, these phone calls are one of the last things she does before actually disappearing, that's where I would really start as an investigator.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think they know, you know, have a good idea of where messages or phone calls went out to. That's been part of the investigation. I don't believe or know if that's been publicly shared, but uh, that's all part of where police have been digging. Yeah, well, you mentioned those
5: that there have been sightings, uh, I think Shay mentioned that there have been hundreds of sightings uh, or reported, you know, possible sightings. Um, and even if none of those have panned out, it is clear that there are so many people in the area, at least, keeping their eyes open for any
1: information uh, as this goes on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's been, you know, uh, you know, when we mentioned that there's hundreds of people that have been reported missing in Kentucky, currently, you know, like on on this list, it sounds like a whole lot. She's one of them, and people are aware of it and reporting sightings. So, Will, let's talk a little
5: bit about this other case that you brought us out of Little Rock, Arkansas. These two women, Shakina Burnett and Tarkisa Wallace, they knew each other, right? They they potentially went missing together.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of one of the, I mean, in a sense, kind of a murky area of this story. Certainly, the families might know more. People that know them really well, but. They had, as Dawn Scott says, been in the same circles at times. Maybe they were out that night together. Uh, clearly, there were messages you know, that linked them and their cell phones near this rock quarry. So there's all these kind of vague connections going on between these two women. But in all the reporting, I never heard like, oh, they, they were always together or they were you know friends who were going out a lot together. It, it sort of uh, makes you wonder about exactly what was going on. Um, but such a, you know, it's a tragic case, and you know, there's no indication there have been no sightings, or you know, really any evidence leading to Turquesa, you know, uh, other than this grisly discovery of of the other victim's leg in the Arkansas River.
2: And just as a side note, I, I know that Don had mentioned that uh, investigators had been searching the quarry pond that investigators believe that they were last at and I know that they also investigated the the river further but you know in looking at the river just on Google Maps the Arkansas River is huge and where the actual leg was found it was found next to a dam that blocks the entire river in in northern Little Rock so it kind of makes sense that uh you know anything a lot of debris would end up in this particular spot but when you look at it it's just it's massive and i imagine that it would be very difficult to find you know any more evidence that would, um, you know, give investigators a lead on this?
1: Yeah, who knows? It's been a few years now, or you know, five, six years, right? So, it's been a little while. All right, we will be back next week, and Reed Radman, you have a story for us uh, next week. Yeah, we have a, an
5: unsolved case out of Sacramento that uh, investigators have been looking for answers now for 14 years, and and they they think they're getting close now.
1: Uh, Spencer, as always. I'm sure most of our regular listeners will know. But for anyone who's joined recently and listening to the podcast, where can they go to find out more about us, about our stories, and talk to other listeners?
2: We have a Facebook group called Inside the Crime Vault. It's got over 5,000 members. Great spot to discuss this case uh, with us and with other like-minded true crime fans.
1: All right. My thanks to Don Scott this week and also Shay McAllister at WHAS in Louisville, Kentucky. Thanks to Reed and Spencer. We will be back next week with a new case and a new story.